is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And I'm excited for you to listen to today's episode because one of the greatest factors in the value of your company and its ability to grow is whether it runs on systems versus, let's just say, by the seat of your pants. Now, I've done it both ways and I can tell you running by systems is a much better way to do it. Our guest this episode is my client, Larry Gebhardt, owner of Ridgetop Exteriors. Ridgetop has multiple locations nationwide and does over 2,000 jobs a year. When it comes to creating and implementing systems, Larry really is one of the best that I know. Now, running your business with systems allows you to strategically, methodically, and quickly grow your business, attract and retain great quality employees, and ultimately earn higher profits. And by the way, have a business that's worth a whole lot more money than otherwise. In this episode, Larry shares with us the value of knowing your numbers, including how to avoid doing twice as much work for the same pay, something we've probably all been guilty of at least once. I know I have. And while you may develop a system for your company, your team has to adopt that system and stick to it day in and day out, which we will also cover. So this is a meaty episode. I mean, really meaty. Within the first few minutes, you're going to get a ton of information. So let's get to it. All right, Larry, welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. I appreciate you being here today. Hey, Brian. Thanks for uh, the opportunity to sit down and talk to you. Cool. So I, I'd like you to tell everybody a little bit about Ridgetop today, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how you got started. So give us a 60-second version of, of Ridgetop Exteriors today. Sure, not a problem. Uh, Rich Top Exteriors today, uh, we have uh, retail locations in uh, Madison, uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, uh, St. Louis, and also in Tampa. Uh, and then we typically will set anywhere from two to three storms a year, uh, depending on weather and location um, that uh, comes up throughout the year. Cool. How many, um, how many people do you have now? That work with you? Uh, right now we have about 35 reps and uh, we have about six managers. Wow. And then okay. we have, a, we have a, a front office of six which handles phone calls, contracts, uh, uh, invoices, all of that stuff. And combined about how many projects a year? Uh, combined projects about a year is we're approaching right about 2,000. Wow. Great. And you do, so you mentioned storms, but that's one part of your business. You also have a, you know, regular retail operation, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, the storm, uh, we, we call this our storm division, and then we also have retail divisions. And obviously the difference between those is retail is a permanent situation. Uh, a storm is uh, uh, an area that may need some help um, because a hailstorm hit or a windstorm hit, um, and that's a temporary location. Uh, that once all the work is done, then at that point we would no longer be in that uh, area as far as selling goes. Obviously, we take care of our warranties there, but we'd no longer be there as, as regards a permanent office. Great. 
So, um, so now that's Rich Top today. So let's go back a little bit. Um, how long have you been in the business? How did you get started? Uh, this is our 15th year in business, started in uh, January of 2002. Um, the way I had started in this business, I had a marketing company prior to this, and uh, I was going pretty well. I had some, some spare time. Uh, my family had been in the roofing business, and I would actually answered an ad to uh, become a sales rep for a roofing company here. Uh, I didn't realize this, but I was actually working for what we call nowadays our storm division company. So at the end of that, um, that company was no longer around, um, which at that point basically I had one of two options, either to travel uh, to different locations with that company uh, or to uh, be basically unemployed uh, in this area that I currently live in. So I had chosen at that point to uh, start my own company uh, in a retail division uh, in Madison. How long did it take you to well when you first started out Ridgetop were you were you the only person selling or was there you and other people selling I was I was the I was the sales uh, I was the sales rep I was the sales manager I was the president I was the janitor uh I wore all of the hats uh in regards to the entire 9 yards it was myself I started out of my basement um we had i answered the phone calls i processed the invoice everything was was strictly me there was there was nobody uh in 2002 january of 2002 i was the only employee and i would like to say only employee on payroll but there was no payroll for a while (laughs) (laughs) and how long was it just you it was just me probably for about the first I would say first probably six months it was me. Uh and then at that point I uh I brought in another sales rep um at the at the six point um six month mark. Uh, once I kinda what I thought had my system totally figured out, um I brought in another sales rep uh because the the uh the lead situation I I just, there was just too many hats to wear and there wasn't enough time to, to wear all those hats. So in order to increase the volume we needed to bring in another sales rep. And then how long before you added the next one? The next one I would say at that point was probably the next one we actually added. Um, talking sales rep, that was probably the end of 2002. I had myself and two sales reps. Um, but we also had what we call an expediter, which was someone that, that, that handled a lot of the uh, uh, the performance of the jobs and making sure the jobs were done correctly, uh, which which is what took off a lot of pressure uh, from myself and the other two sales reps. Uh, you know, by the end of 2002. How long did it take you to get your company over a million dollars in revenue? Uh, we reached a million dollars in revenue, over a million dollars in revenue uh, in 2003. The first year. Yeah, the first year, I believe, in sales, I believe we were real close to it. I want to say I'm going back in memory, so don't quote me on this, but I want to say that we were about 850 the first okay. year. Um, and a majority of that being, you know, my sales uh, and then the reps learning the system and, uh, you know, bringing them on later in the year. Uh, but I believe we got to 850. And then pretty much ever since then, the we, we've had somewhere between a 20 to to some years a 40% increase in, in volume uh, from there. So you've mentioned the word system 
two or three times. Now I mm-hmm. now I know you obviously. I've known you for a very long time. You've been a client. We've you know we've hung out together. So um, I know how systems driven you are. But the people that are listening have only met you three minutes ago. Sure. So um, talk a little bit more about that. Well, a little bit more about that as you start obtaining. Uh, new employees and growing and things like that. The system is the most important because it's it's the check and balance. So, and what I mean by system is how a lead comes in, how it's processed, um, uh, where the rep takes over, how the how the presentation's done, uh, the follow up on that, um, when the job is sold, how it's processed. Everything is done the exact same way every time, and it doesn't matter what location you're in. If you're in Madison or if you're in Tampa, it's the exact same system. So when I started this, it was kind of the motto of, of, uh, of you know, a McDonald's. Um, when, when I go get a cheeseburger in Tampa, it tastes the same as a cheeseburger in Madison. I mean, there's mm-hmm. two pickles on it. There's ketchup. There's mustard. Um, it's the exact same setup. I couldn't tell where it came from. So I wanted the office to be the exact same way. So, you know, again, the system is always, you're always, you know, tweaking it and trying to perfect it and things like that. But from kind of day one, our system, pretty much the concrete base of it has been the same. Um, if you don't have a system in place, it's it's really hard to to put parameters on where you're going, how things are going, where you're falling short. Um, if you have a system in a, in a check and balance deal, it's it's very easy to to know where those benchmarks are and to and to, to know where you need to go and, and and what you need to change. Well, and that's one of the things I see a lot talking with contractors around the country. The ones that are struggling are the ones that are kind of you know, we do it how we, you know, they just, they don't even know how they do it. They just mm-hmm. go out and do it. And this is yeah. not, you know, this is not to take away from the hard work that these guys do, but this business is very formulaic. There are examples all around the country of systems and processes of how to run a home improvement company. And um, it really is, the key you couldn't have got to where you are doing two thousand jobs a year in multiple offices without without a system um, which was the which system was the first one that you developed well the very first system that we developed um which you know you brought up a very good point brian is is we see a lot of uh, uh guys and, and gals that are in our business that you know, are working 14, 16 hours a day and they're doing everything they possibly can and they're putting all the effort and time into everything. Um, and then at the end of the year, when it comes time to pay themselves, um, it, it's short, you know, from where they thought they were going to be or where they is, where yeah. they where they were supposed to be. And, again, it kind of goes back to that system deal of, of uh, I guess the most important thing is, is to know your you, – you have to know your numbers and you have to know your costs and you have to know where they slip into the system. I mean, you may be sitting at a kitchen table and and Bob or Betty is, is wanting to purchase a roof or a siding or a window job from you, um, and they'll sign the contract for this certain amount. But for you, the worst thing you can do is sign that contract because there's no money in it. There's, all there is is time and effort, but there's no money in the situation. Um, and a lot of people are, oh, I signed a contract, I sold a $10,000 deal. Well, great, you sold a $10,000 deal. 
but your overhead expenses and material and labor is going to cost you 9500 So you got $500 in profit on the job because you didn't know your numbers, and the numbers go into the system. You know, this is here's our profit margin that we have to have, and we have to sell at this profit margin. If we sell below that profit margin, believe it or not, it is counterproductive. Yes, on that job you made $500, but for the time and effort you put into that, that $500, if you put it on an hourly basis, you made about $7.50 an hour. Uh, and an owner in a company, obviously, you can't operate at $7.50 an hour. So I, I know I kind of got off track there a little bit. Well, but I, I just hold your thought for one second because sure. everybody that's listening, I want you to really think about what he just said. Because what Larry just said is one of the biggest challenges that I see with people in this in this business is they sell the job out of fear. They sell the job without knowing their numbers, and at the end of the day, they are a lot in a lot of cases paying the customer to do the job. Correct. And and what Larry just said is know the numbers and. I, I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but if it doesn't fit within your margin number, what do you do? We just move on. You know, we we shake their right. hand and appreciate it, and, and we just move on. Um, you know, it's. I mean, it, it comes down to a simple math deal. You know, would you rather go out and, and expedite, you know, ten roof jobs, and let's just put a number out just for a round number of ten thousand dollars profit, or would you rather go and, and take care of three or four roof jobs and have the same amount of profit? Um, right. You know, it, it's amount of time because it, the big essence that people have when they get into this business is their time. You know, th- this is not a uh, whether you're starting from ground up or, or you know, you have a company that that has several offices. This is not a nine to five job. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 not a nine to five job. You always have something going on. So each minute of your day is very valuable. And how do you take those minutes that you have and that you're committed to your company or someone else's company, and how do you make those so cost-effective for yourself? Um, and again, it goes back to selling those jobs to say, hey, I sold a job, but there's there's no profit in the job. It just it makes no sense to do that type of business. Yeah. God, I hope everybody got that. And here's <laughs> you're hearing it from a guy that started with nothing, you know, basically started in this business with zero, didn't come into a business that was already going, didn't, I don't think he walked into the business with, you know, half a million dollars and investors and all of that. You started from scratch in your basement, and he was willing to walk away from jobs that didn't match or, or didn't fit within the margins he needed to get in order for the business to be profitable. And here, a relatively you know, relatively short time later, he's doing two thousand jobs a year out of multiple offices. Um, so back to my, and that was awesome, Larry. Thank you. Um, oh, well, no, I, we can uh, end the call right now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, really, we can end this episode of the podcast right now, and just that you know that little bit. I would say to people, let's just put that on a loop and play it over and over and over again. And the reason I'm focused on that so much is, you know, you know, Larry, I talk with people all across the country, and I talk with companies that and, and business owners. I had a conversation yesterday with a guy, great guy. Um, last year, he's in the same business as you, roofing, siding, mm-hmm. windows. 
hardworking guy, really, you know, really good guy, does great work, great product, really cares about his customers. Last year did $1.5 million, and I asked him, how much money did you make? Were you profitable? He was barely profitable on one. Now, he had some issues. He had some employee issues. He had some, um, let's just say he had some issues. Sure, and I said, sure. okay, great. What was he was calling me for for my advice? He's a client who's calling for advice for 2017, mm-hmm. and I said, "Great." I said, "What's your goal for this year?" He said, "It's three million." I said, "Okay, great." We started to talk a little bit more, and come to find out, you know, barely profitable in 2017. He's doing all of the right things to get to the next level, but I said, "I don't think you've got the money." To get to three million, and plus, why do you want to get to three million? Yeah. If you yeah. haven't, if you're barely making money on one point five, what makes you think that you're going to make money at three? Yeah. Without and a so, system, Brian, what he's doing is on that deal without a system, going from one point five to three million dollars. What he's doing to himself is creating twice as much work for the same pay. Exactly. He did and twice 5. as much risk. Yeah. Oh, big Twice time. as much yeah. liability. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, at the end, we went through exactly some of the stuff that you are recommending and that you are talking about that you do uh, to grow your business. And in the end, we agreed that this year he would do his same 1.5 to maybe 2 million, somewhere in mm-hmm. there, 1.5 to 2 million. But the deal was he's going to re-engineer the numbers in the business so that he makes a minimum 10% profit. So that at the end of the year, he's got $150,000 to $200,000 that the business made. Mm-hmm. And this is after, these were all the conditions. <laughs> these, this was after he pays himself a salary for being the general manager of the business, for running the business. The profit had to come after that. Yeah. Well, Brian, the advice you gave him for 2017, if if he follows that advice, which which obviously we hope that he does, mm-hmm. is the best advice that he could, could have. Because him going down the road to three million, like we talked about earlier, yeah. is one of those situations. You know, and I I look at someone starting new in this business that that's going to start and go at it. The first thing I would say to them is, what is your time and effort worth? And once you determine that number, then you can determine the volume that you you feel you have to do. But you have to get paid first. Right. That that is that is the most crucial part. Uh, so many of these guys go out and they're just grabbing deals again, like we talked about earlier, and put all the effort and time in, and they're not compensating themselves first. So the first thing I would determine if I was had it all over to do again is is. What number do I want? What is the value of my time, my efforts to put everything I have into this? What do I have to have? And I adjust my prices according to that situation. <laughs> and that's how it's supposed to be. And then, but, but now look, but a lot of people will hear what you just said, and they will think, yeah, well, he's just out price gouging. What do you say to that? He's just, you know... Because well, he wants two, to get he wants to get fat and and get a bunch of profit. Well, two things about price gouging. First of all, um, it, everybody has to make a living, and when you're starting your own business, there is no guarantee of pay. So 
Yes, I would be price gouging if I said I want to pay myself this first year this crazy, enormous number of I want a salary of $1 million a year and I'm going to do $2 million in business. Yes, that is absolutely price gouging. You're probably not going to close a lot of deals. Um, but but to bring realistic numbers into the situation, uh, it, it only makes sense for yourself to determine that amount and determine what you can what you can get out of that. You know, when you look at price gouging, um, price gouging is a situation where you know you're going to want to fall in between. Uh, you're going to want to kind of be in the middle when it comes to estimates. I mean, that's just kind of where it is. But then obviously you want to, you know, we can, I, maybe I'm going off on a different gig here. but No, this is good. You, you know, you've you, you, you got to learn how to sell the upgrades and you've got to learn how to, to, to build that customer that, that if you did the roofing, you're doing the siding or, or you're getting the neighbors and, and all that stuff has got to be built into all of that stuff. So the plan has has got to be totally laid out, which includes the marketing plan and, you know how you're going to uh, uh, remarket your past customers and how you're going to remarket the neighbors. You know that stuff all comes together. Um, but uh, so when you look at that price gouging thing, um, you know we run a, and again it goes to the system. We run a straight profit margin on every single job. So give you an example. Our window profit margin is the same as our roofing profit margin. And our roofing profit margin is the same as our siding profit margin. It's a number that is set that has to be done or you cannot operate. Yeah. It's just the way it is. You go back to McDonald's. I cannot go in and, and, and go to the counter and order the Big Mac, and the Big Mac is, I don't know, round numbers, $2.50, and tell them, that hey, I'll give you $1.75 for that Big Mac. What are they going to tell me? You're crazy. You can't get the Big <laughs> no. Mac. Right. <laughs> Same thing when you're sitting at a kitchen table. You know, you, you, it's not going to work out. I can't do it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your efforts, but I, you know, I just I can't do it for that cost. Mm-hmm. You have to learn to walk away from deals sometimes. You, you just you have to. Otherwise, your success rate is going to be cut. I would maybe you could probably vouch for this a little bit more than I, Brian, but I would say it's going to be cut at least in half, at least, if you don't walk away from deals that that are not profitable uh, to the company and and second of all to yourself. Well, it's, you know, and like we were saying before, it's just not a good way to, it's not a way to grow a sustainable sustainable business. Now, one thing that I will say to everybody, and I know this, and you could find this out also very easily, is if you look up Larry's company online and you go, I just did it right now, um, he has 66 Google reviews which is higher than probably most all of his competition. It's a, he's got a nearly five-star rating. And if he was ridiculously priced and did not provide value to his customers, A, he wouldn't have this many Google reviews. B, he wouldn't do, be doing 2,000 jobs a year. And three, in your, in your operation, um, I don't know if you want to share this or not, but about what percentage of your business comes from your relationships with your customers? Personal relationship or past customer? No, no, past customer. Well, as far as the retail location goes, and Madison being uh, the first office that, that, that we opened, right now in Madison for the last five years, we've averaged 67% of our business 
from past customers or from referrals. And that's your largest single operation? Correct. That's the largest single operation that we have is is that location. And and some of the others, which is great to create, they are chasing very hard. <laughs> yeah. They are closing the gap. Yeah. So... So then to 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 kind of go back to the pricing part of this, you know, so many people are afraid to charge the price that they should be charging in order to properly execute the project and uh, meaning properly execute it not only for them, not only for their company, but also for the customer. Because oh. if you're if you're if you have to cut your price and barely make any money on a job, how can you possibly deliver to your customer what they deserve? Right? That's that's absolutely correct. And and when we go to price and what what customers perceive as price is customers in in my opinion, uh like anybody that buys anything, uh and especially, you know, if it's if it's not a set number, the biggest thing that we want to do is we want to make sure that we did not make a mistake or or I guess got taken on something. For instance, car shopping. I'm probably the worst car shopper out there. Um you know, I know <laughs> what I both. want. Yeah, I know what I want and I know what the situation is and you know, I'm probably not the guy that does the best research on it, but I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find a sales rep that I feel very comfortable with. Um and uh, uh, that's typically who I'm going to go with is who I feel comfortable with because the one thing I want to know if something happens to that car in the future, can I bring it back to him and he's going to take care of it? Um, and uh, uh, second of all, that I have that feeling that, that this guy's got my back. And it's the same thing in this business. Uh, you know, people are looking for the comfort level. Yeah, you'll have some price shoppers out there. But I'll tell you the other thing about those price shoppers. They shopped you in the beginning. And when it comes to paying you at the end, they're going to try to shop you again. Wow. Yeah. That's just how it works with those price shopping people. It's just the way that it is. Um, and so now that, you know, we use that example before of a $10,000 project, you got 9500 in overhead and expenses, and you got 500 left. Well, they want to negotiate 250 bucks off for whatever it should be, whatever they can come up with. And now you got $250 you made on the job. Yeah. So you so I'm going to ask you to come back because there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we could talk about um but I want to talk I want to go and talk a little bit more about systems. Okay. Um the first kind of system that you put together to go from that million dollars to you know in this business I think there's you know the first kind of ceiling is a million. I think the next one is somewhere between two and a half, three. Then it goes to five. Then it goes to ten. And mm-hmm. each, at each of those points, the business is completely different. And I think the owner of that business has to be completely different mm-hmm. um, in terms of what they do, how they spend their time, you know, that sort of thing. When you were, when it was you and one or two sales reps, and you were working to get to that kind of that next level of business, what was the first system that you started to to work on? The first system that I started to work on was the was the contact and the system that we had with the customer. 
Um, I see so many people that go out and will spend an hour and a half or two hours doing an estimate but won't spend two to two and a half minutes to do a callback to okay. check back in. And it's like, I don't understand. You you drove out there. You spent an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, you built a great rapport up. You didn't close the deal, but, but you're in the running. And why wouldn't you do a callback to check in? Um, it, it just amazed me on what I seen uh, prior to starting mine on what my you know, that company at the time had six sales reps. I was one of them. But what the other five guys were doing. Now, not to get off on a tangent here, but I was taught at a very uh, head of marketing company. And what we did was we telemarketed and sold advertising. And we would go from town to town and sell this advertising. So you would start calling on Monday, calling businesses. And on Friday at noon, that job was done. There was no next week you know, ads that were sold or anything like that. So you had to, your last callback was on Friday at noon to close that deal. If not, you were on to another city and you couldn't add anything else to that program. So that's what taught me to do the callbacks in that situation. And it was, you know, it's kind of funny to look back to those days. It was, we did it on a legal pad. Um, the legal pad had Monday's callbacks on it. You'd flip the page. It had Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So, on Fridays, after it was done, it was over with. So that's how I think it was ingrained in me um, to to call customers back because that was the only way at that time that I could to close a deal was it had to be done by Friday. So that was the very first system that we put in place was how the customer uh, was receiving correspondence from us and how often they were were and what we would do after that as far as you know follow up letters or or, you know, thank you cards or whatever it should be. Those were the things that, that, that the first system we put in place because nothing happens until something is sold. So that's the very first thing we had to do was sell something. Right. Wow, that's cool. So, um, and and it's still like that, I, I would imagine. It's still like that today. Yeah, technology has totally changed it, though. There's no longer a legal pad. Now it's a text message that the rep gets that tells him to call Mr. Jones back because he put it in his calendar to call him back. You know, right. so it's you get it, you push the button on the text message, and it, it dials Mr. Jones for you. Right. So as long right. as you put it into the system, you know, it, it's the deal. When you go right. back, it is the exact same system, just technology's changed it a little bit. Technology's changed it, but the strategy yeah. is the same, the system is the same. Strategy's um, the same, yep. And then, so... You started to kind of um, – you had to start pulling yourself out of the sales role, right? That and is correct. And become more I... of the sales manager. Yeah. yeah. Is that kind of what you did in those early years was move yourself out of the sales role and into a sales manager role? Yeah, it uh, it took me a long time to do that. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I enjoyed it so much. I really enjoyed – Knocking on a door of a customer, they'd barely crack the door. They don't trust you. They've got walls built up. You go in, you build rapport with them. You do the project. The before and after is they're they're super happy. Um, I go to collect the final check. I almost don't even need to knock. I can almost just walk in because I built those relationships with those homeowners. Um, so that to me was 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 the hardest part was to to pull away from that because I enjoyed it so much. But yes, eventually. You know, we added reps that, that, that you just can't. There's just, again, it goes back to where, where is your time best spent. And at that, it gets to a point where your time best spent is not sitting at the kitchen table. It's creating opportunities for other people to sit at kitchen tables. 
yeah. uh, or for making sure that the customer service is, is, is what you expected it to be when you were running everything yourself. Now you have other people representing your company, and you need to make sure that that, that same system and same service is in place. Now, are your how do your people know what the system is? That's the very first thing that they're taught um, when we come into training. Is the the very first thing that they're taught is how the system goes and how the flow goes. Um, which the great thing about that is 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 we call it the ridge top language. So if we have all of our reps together, they're all talking about the same thing. Not one guy is doing one thing one way, another guy is doing another thing another way. Now, we're not creating robots because personality is a lot of what sells sure. people to of buy course. things. Yeah. But the system is the same. You know, this gets entered into here. This is how this contract packet gets turned in. This is where my follow-up call is. This is my role here. That's all the same throughout all locations, whether it's retail or whether it's in the storm division. That is all the exact same um, uh, situation. So that that's that's the very first thing they're taught as a system, which comes back to a deal. Again, I apologize. Sometimes I go off on tangents, but I think this is an important thing uh, for people to understand. No, I love it. Keep going. Sometimes hiring experienced people can have a negative effect if they don't follow the system that you yeah. put in place. Uh, you bring in someone that is a big producer but was used to doing something another way, it's hard for them to change to your system because they've had success a different way. Mm-hmm. So you have to consider that when you're going to bring someone that is a veteran from another system into yours, that that person will conform to your system. And, and the goal is is that you prove to them that it's better and they can make more money and it's less work for them, and you know, that, that's the key on that. But... but um, and again, I went off kind of on a tangent on that, but that's just no, very that was important great, as though, you, but because as that's you great grow. advice. You know, a lot of people think that they have to go and find the veteran, that they need to go find somebody from the home improvement industry to put out into the field to sell. And a lot of a lot of people today, a lot of companies today are not necessarily looking for somebody that comes from another home improvement company. They're looking for somebody with the right uh, personality, the right demeanor, uh, hunger, and then they teach them the system. You got it. If you can find someone with the drive that's willing to go with your system, and if your system you built is good enough, you can put anybody into that system. Yeah. Anybody into that system. Let me ask you kind of a, I guess it's kind of a technical question, but back when you were initially developing the systems for your business. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Like, like, did you write this stuff down on a legal pad? Did you write it out as a document? Um, did you have somebody helping you do it? What did that process look like? Well, it originally went back to my old days of the legal pads. And then as we, that first year, as we brought reps in, and sit down with the reps, we knew that we had to have a little bit better system than a legal pad. Now, my computer expertise is still lacking a little bit today. It's a little bit stronger than it was back then, but back then it was pretty much zero. And uh, I had a friend of mine that created a little spreadsheet program for us. 
And that's what we would put all of the reps' information on was their spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet was set up by dates so that they had their callback situation set up. Now, again, that's going way back to where that was, and, and you know, he took care of all that stuff for us. So that was kind of the very first system that we had in place. And now there's there's companies that just, I mean, if you're creating your own spreadsheet, unless you're a, a, a genius with the computer, it's you're much better off to hook up with one of these companies that have a CRM program or, or something that you can put the information into because you set parameters on that and it, it just takes care of everything for you. Yeah. Um, that, that's the most important thing is to, to, to get the system down. Um, and then it's the same thing. And it's obviously a system you can check. You know, if you bring, if you went from being yourself to bringing a couple reps in, it was nice for me because I could look at the spreadsheets and I could kind of see where things are at. You know, and yeah. occasionally a guy's going to miss something, but if I could catch it for him and save a deal, you know, hey, that worked out good. Now, to me, it's we have someone full time um, with all of our reps and all of our managers that simply look at callbacks and where job progresses are and where our as our customer been kept in contact with mm-hmm. full time. That's all that, that that she does full time is is that every day. And a lot of times. Uh, what happens with it with the rep is when she'll see that, okay, there's not a future appointment set for this homeowner, um, she'll send them an email and, uh, you know, remind them that, hey, we don't have a future appointment set. A lot of times it's just that the rep forgot to forgot to set the appointment, and it's a reminder that he is so glad to, to get because when you start dealing with a lot of customers, you know, do you go through 150 customers a day to see you have to call back, or do you just look at what your callbacks are for the day? Well, time-wise, we went back to that, the minutes of the day, to go through 150 that you don't have to call. Why, why deal with a customer you don't need to deal with for a week and a half? Why deal right. with him today? So that's kind of how our system has, has changed and in, in where our system is at. Yeah, and everybody everybody in the organization in their roles understands, okay, here is the process, this is how we do it here. And for you, as the owner and really kind of the 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 guy that's got to manage this whole this whole enterprise because you're not I mean you're not, you're not doing one office you've got multiple offices multiple managers in different markets around the country I'm always amazed at how you manage it all it's the because, because you're a very <laughs> you're not a high strung guy you're the the way that you are right now on the phone is the way that I've always known you. You're you're calm. You don't get, you know, uh, you're not super excitable and and uh, you know you're not manic like a lot of people are when they're trying to manage a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and so you are looking at a system, and the system allows you to be calm and be able to think and do your job. Yeah, that, that, that you're you're exactly right. That system lets me know what I need to what I need to focus on um or where I see an improvement in one location that I can take that information and help a, another location uh, improve. So Right now, I'm. I feel like I'm at my best, and, and, and it's getting better. But I feel like uh, I'm trying to think how I explain this. 
I take information from one location, whether it's positive or negative, and I can take that information and put it somewhere else. So it's like I've got test labs out everywhere to tell me what the positives are and what the negatives are. And if it's a negative situation, I have the answer from another location to change that. Um, And again, as we continue to grow and get bigger, um, it's even more test markets that we have and different things that we can do and different products that we can introduce that we can try here and see what the success is and, and then move it to the other locations. So it's, it's uh, uh, as I think you get to a certain point and you have the system in place, it actually truly gets, gets in my opinion, it, it actually gets easier. Um, you wouldn't think that because you've got more personnel and, you know, this goes back to having the correct management and having the correct people and compensating them and having them have blood in the game as far as bonuses go and all that stuff. And, you know, that's probably for a different call, but um, it it all goes into that stuff where, again, everybody knows the system and then you're just tweaking and perfecting the system and a little, make a little move over here and you, you know, you picked up total throughout the offices, you picked up a couple hundred thousand dollars and you make a little move over here and you picked up 50,000 and it just keeps, you know, uh, it keeps growing and adding. That's cool. So we're we're about out of time for this episode, but I want I want to ask you I want to ask you a question. It's kind of may come off a little bit odd, but okay. As you grow your your business is growing, growing, growing. Why do you want to continue growing? I that's a that's a uh uh, that's a good question. Um, I set goals very early. Um, I was uh, lucky to have an uncle that was a great mentor to me and, and made me at a young age write goals down of, of where I want to be starting from the age of, I think, 16. And I continue to write goals and, and things where I want to be. I've gotten to the point now um, where I get more enjoyment and excitement out of seeing managers and reps succeed and, you know, maybe buy that new house or maybe take that, you know, two-week vacation instead of one-week vacation. I get more out of that now than I do out of, of my personal situation. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm just like everybody else. My time is worth a certain amount of money and, and um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get compensated for what I do. Um, but but luckily that's where it's been for me now. So I see managers that started out as sales reps that are now managers, and now that manager has went to a general manager where he's got, you know, one or two locations that he's looking after. Um, and that growth is is the excitement for me. So uh, don't only do it for myself, but I also do it for our employees and the growth for them and the opportunity for them in the future as well. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Larry, as always. Incredible conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. And um, I'm going to ask you back because there's so much more you and me can talk about. Um, there's so much more that you're doing over at Ridgetop that um, really is 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 just you know incredible. You're built. You you've built quite an organization there, and I think there's still so much more to learn. Um, so. All of you listening in, um, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes 
and um, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, just hit subscribe uh, button there, and all new episodes will automatically go into your podcast feed. And if you uh, would, leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing um, at iTunes. You can do. Uh, you can subscribe and you can leave a review. Until next time, thank you very much. Thank you.